Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Chico Demanuel Show. We back for another episode. It's Monday morning, and uh, as usual, I want to start off with my little appetizer, get you warmed up. So uh, while I'm picking this fucking lint off me, I have no idea where it came from. I've been attracting a lot of lint lately. I don't know if that's a good thing, bad thing, but I digress. So let's get right into it. First thing I want to talk about is um, I was putting in the passcode in my phone, and when I do that on this cheap-ass Obama phone, it likes to give me news headlines. And something I came across, that said, uh, an old NASA satellite is falling from the sky this weekend. That's right. Out of Cape Canaveral, Florida, courtesy of the Associated Press, a 38-year-old retired NASA satellite is about to fall from the sky. NASA said Friday the chance of wreckage falling on anybody is, quote, very low. Most of the 5,400-pound satellite will burn up upon reentry, according to NASA, but some pieces are expected to survive. The space agency puts the odds of injury from falling debris at about 1 in 9,400, while BetMGM places the odds of injury from falling debris at 1 in 10,000. So... If you want to make some money this weekend, don't take either bet. Just stay in the house and hope that a motherfucking satellite doesn't come crashing through your roof and fucking land on one of your children. Because, you know, according to them, the, the odds of injury exist where if most of it's going to burn up in the atmosphere, like, who the hell cares? So it goes on to say, uh, yada, 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 the science satellite is expected to come down Sunday night, give or take. 17 hours, according to the Defense Department. The California-based Aerospace Corp., however, is targeting Monday morning, give or take 13 hours, along a track passing over Africa, Asia, the Middle East, and the westernmost areas of North and South America. The Earth Radiation Budget Satellite, known as ERBS, never would have guessed that, was launched in 1984 aboard the Space Shuttle Challenger. Although its expected working lifetime was two years, the satellite kept making ozone and other atmospheric measurements until its retirement in 2005. So it was only meant to work two years, but it got mandated for another fucking what? What's that, 16 years old? Another 20 years or so? This motherfucker has got some overtime pay coming. So, uh, yeah, satellite study how the Earth absorbed and radiated energy from the sun. The satellite got a special send-off from Challenger. Amer- America's first woman in space, Sally Ride, released the satellite in orbit using the shuttle's robot arm. That same mission also featured the first spacewalk by a U.S. woman, Catherine Sullivan. It was the first time two female astronauts flew in space together, and it was the first time I realized I didn't give a damn about such an achievement. It was the second and final space flight for Rye, who died in 2012. Rest her soul. So, yeah, just be careful when you're walking outside uh, Monday morning, January 9th, because uh, there's a 1 in 9,400 chance that you might get pummeled by fucking, by, uh, by satellite debris. And, uh, wow. Ad flag, cut that out. But yeah, there's a 1 in 9,400 chance you might get pummeled by satellite debris. So uh, just keep that in mind. A regular umbrella is probably not going to cut it. You're going to need to get like a titanium alloy umbrella. You know, make sure you're looking up. 
and make sure to not be anywhere over the Middle East, mainland of Africa, or the westernmost parts of North and South America, because uh, might be some shit falling out the sky that's been floating around space for the past, what, uh, 18 years out of commission, and it just finally ran out of gas, or just finally, you know, decided to take some type of cosmic route, which renders it useless, and it's just going to fall harmlessly into the atmosphere. Like I said, one in 9,400 odds, you know, probably not any real risk anything happening, but one in 9,400 is not zero. So, uh, like I said, make sure you buy some insurance, titanium alloy parasol, all that good shit. So, that's the appetizer. I know you all were clamoring and couldn't wait to hear about that shit. It's just, this is like breaking news. You know, this is the type of shit that's considered news. Anyways, I like to think I got an interesting show for you. I got a couple topics lined up. Something that a uh, family guy reminded me of. I'm actually delve into that topic. It's not really serious, but I just figured I'd have a little fun with it. I'm going to talk a little bit about virtue signaling and why if you do it, uh, you need to be kicked in the nuts. Vagina, if you're a woman. And we're going to talk about, is cheating morally acceptable for men? Based on a clip I saw of Andrew Tate, who said it's okay for men to cheat. And he said this in a room full of women, and they were outraged. But with Andrew Tate being the guy he is, of course, when it was all said and done, they didn't give a fuck what he said. They just couldn't picture themselves not riding him in a bedroom somewhere. That's, that's, that's what I think they cared about. Is that a little bit sexist? Yes. So, without further ado, let's move on to the third place topic. This is exciting. Our second podcast. All right, but listen up, Cleveland. No more of your long stories, all right? Yeah, people aren't used to boring podcasts. Oh, I'm sorry. I suppose they ought to call me Jelly, because sometimes I get on a roll. That, that, none of that. Welcome once again to Thanks for the Clamories. Okay, common question that everybody thinks about. How many fourth graders do you think you could take at once? What? All right, so... Second episode, I was watching this shit earlier. This is Family Guy, one of my favorite TV shows. And uh, it happened to be the episode where they were also making a podcast. So I thought it was kind of a coincidence. But I could not pass up the opportunity to uh, piggyback on their topic, which is how many fourth graders could you take at once? So uh, not that I'm some type of notable or polarizing figure, but I think it would be wise to note before I get into this that I don't condone the violence of children of fourth graders. I'm not saying there ever would be a situation where I was in a Call of Duty zombies-like fashion where I would just be pump, I would just be attacked with an onslaught, an endless onslaught of fourth graders all trying to kill me. I don't think this would ever happen, so nothing I say here should be taken too seriously, but I figure what the hell. Why not discuss it? If they can discuss it in their cartoons, let pretend I'm a cartoon for the next four to five minutes. So, how many fourth graders could I take at once? I think the question for me would be contingent on which school district these fourth graders come from. If it's a bunch of school, uh, a bunch of fourth graders from the, the Detroit public school system, um, take at once? 
I would say somewhere he Peter said 800. That's fucking ridiculous. They supply strategies like funnel them through a narrow line and just get a chain and just swing it around like a fucking mason. Just die, 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 die. I don't think any of those. Like, well, for one, I would need these. I don't think it would be anywhere in the hundreds. Okay, like if I'm if I'm looking at fourth graders in all directions, like 360 degrees. I would say maybe about 10, maybe 10 most before like my hands and my legs and all my extremities and limbs are just completely under control by these little fucking munchkins. And I don't think it's a, uh, an endeavor that's even pursuable. Now, if we add some variables in there. Now, if I get some weapons or shit, like if I get a submachine gun or I get like some grenades or like some fucking mustard gas or some shit. Now, I mean, probably like at least with the submachine gun alone. Now, now we could probably talk at least dozens because like I would always want them chasing me. Like I would have to get a clear pathway through at some point. If I could ever get a clear pathway to where whatever the fuck is in front of me is not a threat. Like anything that's in front of me is getting mowed the fuck down. Or I could get some type of high ground or something like that. The high ground is important. Fuck a narrow path for them to all funnel in. Like, yeah, it's one thing if I got them all coming at me, but one misstep, I'm fucked. So I would try to get some high ground. And in the process of obtaining that high ground, assuming I got unlimited ammo or some degree of unlimited ammo or a, a, a hell of a surplus or supply of ammo, I would just... Keep whatever the fuck is in front of me clear. Like, I need a clear moving path. Like, I always need a forward direction in which I can move. And then that forward direction would have to lead me to some high ground. If those circumstances was to happen, then I think I could easily start taking them down by the hundreds. Because if I'm on some high ground, I've got visibility. The likelihood of me getting flanked is significantly decreased. And, uh... We just gonna start blowing heads off. Like it's just headshot after headshot after headshot. I'm not gonna fuck around with these fourth graders. Like when I was in fourth grade, I was a fucking menace. I was a force to be reckoned with. So if we talk about the Detroit public school system, fourth graders are, are some bad motherfuckers. So I'm not gonna play around. I'm gonna get some ammo. I'm gonna stock up. I'm gonna get some high ground. And we are gonna start blowing the heads off of fourth graders with reckless abandon, with no discrimination. So if I had to pick a number with all those unique circumstances, which I previously stated, that number would probably be, uh, shit. Before I got tired and either just fled or just succumbed to the, the endless hordes of fucking numbskulls coming at me, I'd say a thousand. I would say after the thousand after the 1,000 kill mark, I'd probably be burnt on this shit. <clears throat> Excuse me. I realize it'd be uh, a hopeless endeavor. Um, we don't even discuss if I get any allies. So, like, we can't, like, take shifts on this shit. So, I would say after 1,000, like, I would no longer have the motivation to continue because I would just be like, what's the fucking point? They just gonna keep coming. I'm tired of reloading this gun. Like, my hand's probably going to be chafed from operating this rifle. Like, maybe I'm too grounded in reality to even entertain such a thought. But I figured it would just be a fun thought because they did it. And I thought about it. And I'm like, hmm, 
they always do those things. Okay, so who would you rather do? Or like, which would you rather have? Like, would you rather kiss the um, a, a Leonard Nimoy and Megan Fox combo with Leonard Nimoy's head and Megan Fox's body? Or would you rather fucking re-roof an apartment complex by yourself? And they get to ask questions like, well... Where does the com? Where does the cutoff point? Or what are you carrying up? Is it tiled or what? Like they get to ask questions. So, if I get to have my ideal situation, I would say, one thousand fourth graders before I'm fucking spent. So, with that being said, let's get the topic off murdering children, and let's talk about people who probably actually need to be murdered. Let's get over to the second place topic. Welcome back. Second place topic. Something I'm uh, sure we may have all done at some point or something we're all familiar with. But uh, I want to talk about virtue signaling and why it's lame. Like, I feel like lately it's been just a fucking influx, especially in the United States, of lame ass virtue signaling people who just act like they are so morally untouchable is very annoying. It's very sickening. And it's the fuel that contributes itself to it, it, it ignites and propagates this woke bullshit that everybody's on to think that everyone can be held to this standard of like niceness to this utopian oneness where everybody's like, where the whole world is like, it's like Disney, man. Disney's a fucking lie. This whole idea that we all can get along and everybody's gonna say something that's gonna be fucking acceptable. Nobody's gonna piss anybody off. Nobody's gonna fucking do anything that's just unliked or unwell. Like, it's okay. Before I get caught up in a tirade because this shit really, really fucking frustrates me. Like, I wish people who virtue signal would just fucking disappear. Like, I don't want them dead, but I wish there was a a, a way where they could just vanish that doesn't involve death. They could just go away and we don't have to fucking hear about them. So, courtesy of Google, I just went to Google, typed in, what is virtue signaling? For those who don't know, The definition consists of the public expression of opinions or sentiments intended to demonstrate one's good character or social conscience or the moral correctness of one's position on a particular issue. It's noticeable how often virtue signaling consists of saying you hate things. Virtue signaling is the expression of a moral viewpoint with the intent of communicating good character. So an example of virtue signaling would be like if you go and you give some food to a homeless person, you see a homeless guy on the street, looks like he's struggling a little bit abnormally more than one would want to see somebody struggling if you had to see somebody struggling. So you go and you buy a big chicken dinner and shit and you give it to the guy, but then you take 17 selfies with you and this guy and you post it all over your Instagram and Facebook 
to demonstrate how good of a person you are because you gave a guy some fucking food. It's like, first of all, if you're going to do good deeds, good deeds should be done without recognition. If you're going to give this guy some food because you really feel sorry for his situation and it really pains you to see this man starving and hungry and down on his luck, why the fuck do you need people to know about it? Like, the good deed doesn't get magnified. Like, he doesn't get more full off the meal for every like you get or for every share or for every retweet. Like, the good deed has a finite amount of, you know, whatever whatever good karma, per se, you expect to get from this. So, the fact that you need other people to validate what is would be commonly already accepted as a good deed kind of cancels out all that you've done. Like, you're only doing something good so other people can pat you on the back. So it's like, do you even really care about his plight? Was it even really about you putting food in his stomach? Was it more about putting... How can I word this? Was it, is it more about just tooting your own horn? Like, is it just about not you just saying you're a good person, but... Other people saying you're a good person as well, even if you're actually a piece of shit. Like, doing good things for the recognition takes the good out of it. So all these people who say they're against racism or they're against this or they're against that or, you know, equal treatment of all and these rights, human rights and all this shit. All these people who say they down for some LGBTQ shit, but if you, like... You wouldn't host a gay marriage at your house to show people how down for the cause you are. Like, how far would you really go without anybody knowing? Okay? And these virtue signaling assholes are a worse pandemic or an epidemic than fucking COVID. It's like, social media has done a lot of good things. It's allowed people to stay in touch. Is allow messages and ideas to spread and trend faster than ever before. But with great with, with, with great privilege comes great responsibility. With great freedom comes great responsibility. And we have wiped our asses with social media. And virtue signaling is one of the brands of toilet paper. For real. Like, why can't it be a trend? That you just do something good or do something that you believe is right and get no recognition for it. Why can't that trend? Because who the fuck would know about it, right? That's basically putting power in the opinions of people who you don't know. You're putting your you're putting your self-worth, your value, whatever intrinsic value you feel that doing good deeds has in the power of other people also aligning themselves with that with that narrative. So if your whole self-image is built on a foundation of public opinion is literally worthless. It's literally worthless because opinions only hold the value in which you that you, uh, which you attribute them. Like if you say I'm ugly that shit is only as true as I believe I'm ugly. If I don't believe I'm ugly, but you do, 
my opinion will always trump yours because who gives a fuck about your sound waves? I don't care what you think more than I care about what I think. If I see a guy that's starving, homeless, looking or whatever, and I decide to go out and, and, and do a deed for this man, and I tell no one, I think that makes me feel better because some idiot one day is going to come around and unknowingly try to say I'm a bad person to say I'm this, which goes back to the opinion thing. Doesn't matter. But now I know that this guy doesn't know what the fuck I do for others. He doesn't know. He's speaking out of his ass. And the fact that I haven't shared this is even more, more ammunition to the fact that you're just talking because you know words. You know nothing of what I do because I don't tell you what I do because I'm waiting for some dick to come around and try to tout his moral eliteness over mine. And I'm fine with somebody being a better person than me. I'm not the nicest guy. I'm generally an asshole. Like, I give a fuck about me first. I am the most important thing in my universe. And my self-importance is generated through my own motivation to make myself important. I don't need anyone else to prop me up. I don't need anyone else to put me down. I'm generally indifferent towards compliments and insults alike. Because my self-esteem comes from what I know I do. I don't need the virtue signal. Because I know I have a good heart. But I just don't have a good heart with everyone. I'm not kind to everyone. Everyone doesn't deserve my kindness. Everyone doesn't deserve my good quality. Everyone doesn't deserve my negative quality. But I trust my judgment is sound enough to where I can do things and know I'm a good person or know this makes me a piece of shit, but I can still live with myself. And if more people were able to do this, virtue signaling wouldn't be such a problem. But it's lame. If you need other people to validate your good deeds because you don't have the confidence, intelligence, or capability of doing it yourself, Take it from me. You're a fucking nobody. Nobody cares about what you're doing. And you posting it on social media, even if you do do it to the tune of a million likes or whatever the fuck, at the end of the day, if you need a society to prop up your deeds for you to find any value within them, you may as well not even do it. Because that's not what good people do. And somebody could easily say, oh, well, that's your opinion. That's not what good people do. Fine. Whatever. If you don't agree with me, fucking fine. I know I'm right. So go get a short rope, a tall tree, and learn how to do math, motherfucker. Like, I don't care. Virtue signaling is lame. If you virtue signal, you're lame. And I'll tell you, you're lame to your face. It doesn't make you a good person for doing good deeds and having the... the, the the necessity or needing to fucking broadcast that shit to the world. Because prior to that, I didn't know you didn't give a fuck about you. And that's only highlighting one thing that you did. I don't know everything else you've done. I don't know your motivation for doing this shit. And quite frankly, I don't need to know. If you're going to do good deeds, do them out of the kindness of your heart. And don't try to make a fucking, uh, 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 a mogul of yourself. Don't, don't broadcast this shit. Because it immediately defeats your cause. And on top of that, nobody gives a fuck. Nobody just 
intrinsically cares because you're doing something good. Like, okay, whoop-dee-doo, homie. Whoop-dee-doo. What makes you a good person is the things that you do when nobody's looking. So when you need everybody to see it, I rest my case. Virtue signaling is lame. If you're a virtue signaler, you don't even need to ask me. I can tell you right now, I don't like you. I lean somewhere on close to a borderline hatred for you. And everything that comes as a result of the heinous ass bullshit you do. And I wish you would go away. Because your kind is not necessary. Your kind is what's the problem. Because it's a prop. It's a front. And we got enough props and fronts in society right now. Fuck off. Okay, rant over. Let's move on to the first place topic. Alright, alright, alright. We at the topic of the day. It's a pretty uh pretty already talked about topic, you know, but I think it's always good to just touch on it and uh just splash around in it a little bit. So uh the topic is excuse me. Is cheating okay? Is it morally acceptable for men? So uh to kind of ruin the fun and spoil it a little bit. The simple answer to that question is no. From the perspective that if a man voluntarily enters himself into a monogamous relationship with a woman, it is not about anything else besides the commitment he made to be with one woman. Now that is to say that a man doing that is his choice. So I was thinking about how I can get into this topic without being too verbose. I got to be a little verbose, but I've kind of split it off into three categories. Cheating is not okay for men. So if it's not okay, why does it happen? Well, it's three subcategories. I think it's from an evolutionary perspective, from a high value male perspective, and from an inequality perspective, as in men and women are not equal. So, why is cheating bad for women and okay, air quotes, okay for men? Well, for one, from an evolutionary standpoint, it creates a paternity conflict when women are cheating. Like when you have women who are sleeping around with multiple men, you have a paternity crisis. So if you have one guy sleeping around with three different women, he gets all three of these women pregnant. We know who the father is. He gets the three women pregnant. He fucked them all. Yeah, he's not faithful to one, but we know who the fathers are. We know who the mothers are. Cut and dry. However, if a woman sleeps with three different men, they all could have finished in this chick. There's no way to tell who the father is. Now, thanks to modern science and developments in technology and Maury Povich, we have paternity tests. So 
that's not as much as an issue as it was back then in, in past times. However, it's enabled women to have more freedom with their bodies, which I mean, more power to you. I'm, I am not the first person to line up to tell a woman what to do with her body. I have my opinion on what a woman should do with her body. And I'm sure women have their opinion on what I should do with mine, which I couldn't give a flying fuck about. Nonetheless, those things make it easier for women to express their freedom with, to, with their bodies. So it creates an issue when you got all these women sleeping around, getting pregnant by all these men. We don't know who the man is. And we end up with a situation where a child is being raised in a single parent home with the mother only or some guy is raising some other guy's kid. Guys don't want to do that. Let me tell you. I do not want to be raising somebody else's sperm. Fuck that noise. So, the part of the paternity conflict and how a man can sleep with many different women, impregnate them all, and we can have a, 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 a way of keeping track of the lineage of these children. That's one reason why it's not necessarily okay, but it's less harmful if men are not monogamous. So, with that being said, let's move over to the high-value male. Now, when I say high-value male, I'm not talking about like the guy that can just pick up chicks. I'm talking about a man with wealth, a man with influence, a man with power. Like, let's just throw a name out there. Fuck it. Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate is wealthy. Andrew Tate has the influence and power to just have a harem of women that he can just pick his, he can take his pick from. I mean, I'm good looking and shit. I got a nice voice. I got some good qualities about me. However, I do not have the stroke to command, to take my pick of the litter like that. I wish I did and I will in in the future. But as of now, I don't. So just a quick example to explain what that's like for a man. Bill Burr talked about this in a stand-up special. He was talking about Arnold Schwarzenegger. And now when he cheated on his wife or whatever with the housekeeper or whatnot, I'm not, I'm not totally hip to that story because I don't give a shit, but he cheated on his wife and Bill Burr makes the joke that all the politicians are like, oh, that's morally reprehensible. And then they fucking go outside to their mercury tracer and try to pretend what it's like to be a man with that much power and that much influence. Like that's a man who immigrated to the United States from Austria and got famous for lifting weights and can barely speak the language. And he becomes a movie star and he gets in movies and loud, loud. <laughs> like, I mean, it's funny when he talks about it that way, but like, think about what he's saying though. That's a great man. Great man, great men stand out from, I don't want to say not great men, but men of lesser greatness. There's a standout. And women have a tendency to want like the top 10 to 15% of men. The qualities that they would describe that they want in a man are actually possessed by about 10 to 15% of men. Like just, just throwing numbers out there. So put it like this. Let's say you have a budget of $5,000. You walk into a car dealership. It's 20 cars on the lot, but only three of them are under or $5,000 or less. So you're faced with either spending your whole bankroll on a car or staying underneath your budget and having a little bit left over, but you can only get three cars out of the whole lot. It's only three cars in the lot. 
that costs $5,000 or less. So your options are limited. So if your ass is going to be driving, you're going to pick one of those cars or you're going to continue shopping and try to find the best deal you can for your, for your money. Okay, contrary to that, let's say you're the man who has $500,000 at his disposal, 20 cars on the lot. The most expensive car is $20,000. You could buy every car on that lot damn near. You could buy multiple cars. You can get a car for the summer. You can get a car for the winter. You can get a car for the spring if you wanted to. This is called having options. So when you have options, it's much harder. I won't say it's harder, but it's a lot. You have more temptation in front of you. Like, I hate walking into a store where it's so much of something to choose. It's too much variety. It almost makes it hard to pick. Well, that's called having options. When you have options, it's hard to pick just one. So if, a, if you do pick just one, that's a choice. That's like a conscious decision that you make for yourself. Because you say, I'm going to just get this one car. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to use it for all my major uh, 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 transportation. And I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to drive this car for the next 10 to 15 years, 20 years or whatever. Now, let's say you do do that. Over 10 to 15 years, there's a likelihood that your car is going to undergo some wear and tear. It's going to need some maintenance. It's going to need some upkeep. And maybe for a period of time, you, uh, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't drive that car. Like, you, you get a little different car for a little bit, but it's not going to replace your car. But, like, you know, your, your car just... Just want to drive something different, you know? You've been driving this fucking Volvo for 10 fucking years. I mean, yeah, you wouldn't mind to see what it's like to hop in a Porsche for a day or two. So, you know, you hop in the Porsche, you drive the Porsche. It's not because you have any intent to ditch your main car. It's just like it's a fucking Porsche. How many people get to drive that car? It's a, it's a German fucking engineer and they make dog-ass cars. It's like, it's just the experience. It's just something to do. You don't have any attachment to that car. When it's time to get the Porsche up, you say, okay, here are the keys. Hey, that was cool. Have a good one. I'm going to go back to my Volvo, my nice, safe, reliable, dependent Volvo, you know, and you go back to it. Like, I'm not saying that it's okay for men to cheat. I'm not saying that men should exercise this option, but for men to have that option and to expect them to not exercise it is almost, it's It's absurd. I understand men make commitments or whatever, but it's like when you're a man of value, when you're a man in high demand, like you don't even know what's out there that's that wants you. Like it's some fucking hot bitches out there that's just waiting for you, just absolutely clamoring for you. And if you haven't really been up against that temptation, you could definitely have found a woman that you love, but like found a woman that you like too. I'm not saying it's right. But that's the way the world works. Right and wrong don't always necessarily align with the way the world works. Like, men used to be conquerors. Back in the day, motherfuckers conquered whole countries and took over civilizations and shit. And it's like, motherfuckers would come through, pillage a village, fuck all the women, kill all the men. And that was like day-to-day life. Like, Genghis Khan, like, Genghis Khan's DNA, if I'm not mistaken, is still, like, floating around today because that's how much he fucking got it in, you know? These men are in high demand. You don't know what that level of temptation is like as a man or a woman. So to try to even like punish somebody for that without at least trying to mentally walk a quarter mile in them shoes. Like, come on, dude. Like, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty fucking uh, sound in myself. Like, I think I'm I'm a pretty 
steadfast motherfucker. But if I inherit like $200 million, I come up on $200 million and I got Swedish bitches and Australian bitches and Nigerian bitches and fucking Can- French Canadian, just like my pick of the litter. It's like, oh, I'm about to explore a little bit, shit. Like, not necessarily go out and throw my relationship away, but shit. I'm going to definitely mingle amongst these other women, for sure. Like, the fuck? If I ain't fucking them, what's the problem? You know? Shit. They here for a reason. Which leads me over to my next aspect, the inequality. Men and women are not equal. We don't think the same. We don't behave the same. The things that... Our intrinsic motivations are not the same. Like, we are completely different. Yeah, we both humans, but like we two completely different variations of humans. So like men and women are unequal in many ways. Like you could, strength for one, physicality. Like generally speaking, a man is much more stronger, much more aggressive physically than a woman is. Like... The average woman, I don't think, could beat the average man if you was to just randomly select them from the population. So we got a physical inequality. The one other inequality that's more relevant to the conversation is the reasons why men and women cheat. The reasons why men and women cheat. So like, when women cheat, I'm not a woman, but in my experience and from things I've been told from popular lore and whatnot, women cheat. From an emotional standpoint, it's like a vengeance thing. It's like, oh, you motherfucker. I'm going to show him. Oh, this ain't shit ass motherfucker. Woom, woom, woom. Like, it's never just like, oh, I just wanted to fuck this guy because I could. I'm just never like, no, it's, it's, it's a get back. It's a, because with women, sex is definitely more tied to their emotions. So, like, women, women are, are when, when se- oh, okay, lost my train of thought. Let's reset here. When women have sex, is tied to their emotion. So when they're cheating on you, they're doing it from an emotional place, most likely a place of anger or a place of jealousy or for feelings of inadequacy. Like it's coming from an emotional standpoint most of the time. So when men cheat, it's like, oh, I definitely love my girl and I want to be with my girl. And it's like, yeah, I probably, there's a good chance that as long as I play my cards right and I'm not an absolute dum-dum, I could probably, you know, just, just, I don't, you know, I've been rocking with the same chick 10, 11, 12 years, you know, like shit, like niggas just want some strange. Like, I know that sounds like terrible, but a motherfucker just wants some strange. Like, I don't love this woman. Like, she's just something that I haven't been sticking my dick in for the past five, six, seven, eight, ten years or whatever. Like, you know, she only, she, she's a, she's a, an accessory. Like, I don't have no emotion for this girl. I will fuck the dog shit out of her and wear her ragged and kick her to the curb. Because I'm going back to my main. And it's like, that should not be like a MO. Like, you shouldn't be definitely going out looking for that. But it's like, I don't know you. Like, I don't really know no other way to interact with women but to be kind of nice, be a little chivalrous, be a little flirty. Like, that's how I treat my female best friends. Like, you know, if they single, I send them dick pics. Like, you know, it don't fucking matter. Like, only way I really know how to interact with women from a masculine standpoint is to be flirty and to be playful and to be chivalrous and to be, you know, treat them like, you know, treat them like they a little special. Like, not special enough to where you the greatest thing, but it's like, I have a, a unique admiration for your delicacy. Like, for the fact that you are a frail, more 
supple and curvy and like you soft and feminine like that's that's a unique quality that I appreciate when it's a feminine woman around me it's a natural effect that like I I can't really I align with that and I might not be trying to bone this bitch she might have a boyfriend a husband or just not be into me but like I don't give a fuck about being friends with women like I chatted up with women like I would chat it up with a nigga in terms of like my subject matter like you know I still talk you know I'll rough them up, I'll crack some jokes, I'll be a little vulgar and shit, I'll manage, that's masculine shit, you know, men and women is different, even the way we motivate each other, like, you strong, beautiful black woman, whoop, 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 and all that shit, you ain't telling, a nigga ain't motivating no nigga by telling he's strong, beautiful, and black, like, those are motivational words, definitely, but it's like, the way we send that message, like, nigga, you a black man, nigga, you know your DNA, you know where you came from, motherfucker, stand up and be heard, it's like, the message is like trying to communicate the way men communicate to men to women and trying to communicate the way women communicate to women to men is, is, is faulty. That's faulty thinking. Like we, we speak a different dialect of English, like in the way that that message is colloquialized and, and put into terms that resonate within our DNA, not just that get us pumped up, nigga. That shit speaks to who we are as, as male humans, like. It's a deeper message with that shit that cannot really resonate the way, just like a single mother raising a boy. Like, it's a layer of masculinity that he's missing. But a single man can raise the man and the woman. She gonna miss that femininity, but she'll go out there and get that shit naturally in the world. I actually think she'll do better off if she raised by a man. Because, like, those women, I feel like they understand men a little more. They understand that we not, they, we not gonna be what the fuck y'all want us to be because that wouldn't be manly. You know, so we're not alike in that fashion. That's the inequality. All those reasons are why I'm not saying it's okay for men to cheat. But men still do cheat. Women cheat too, but men absolutely cheat. And these are the reasons why. And a good point Andrew Tate made is like, if you got a good, you can go out there and find a motherfucker that's going to love you, that's going to hold you down, that's going to be there for you, all that mushy shit that you claim you after. You could go get that guy now. But you want the best possible match. You're not looking for Prince Charming. You're looking for motherfucking, uh, 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 you're looking for Mr. Get It Done. You know? That's why the motherfucking softy boys appeal to your friend zone level of appreciation. But these real bad boys out here is what fucking makes the pussy wet. Like, for real. You know? So it's, 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 it's a lot of, it's, it's not okay for men to cheat, but... For the ones that do, we got reasons why. It's not coming from an emotional place. We're not playing get backs. That's just evolutionarily in our DNA. That's who we is. And when we give you some some monogamy, like we are making a conscious decision to go against our nature. And like women don't really have to do that. It's a it's in a woman nature to like it's a, it's a job of a woman to keep one man. And just like he said, you know that motherfucker love you. You know he gonna pay them bills and you know he gonna take care of some shit for you like. You might want, you know, why value his sexual exclusivity as his main trait? Like, you're valuing the wrong things and you're prioritizing them incorrectly. Like he said, it's just going to leave you in endless relationships. It's going to reduce your stigma to dick. And you're going to be a fucking Instagram hoe. And then by the time you 34, 35 or some shit, you want to settle down, niggas going to be kicking you to the curb. Like, it makes perfect sense. Like... When he's explained like that, I really don't even see how it's a debate. Like, how can this be a topic of contention? 
But it's like nobody says these things because when they do say these things, society try to pussify them and wear them down and 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 buffer that message. I used to be on the buffer side, but now I see like how this shit is just toxic and how it's corrosive and whether it needs to be spoken out against. Whether that shit will ever be nerfed, the only time will tell. But shit, it take real niggas to stand up, real men to stand up and be able to say what the fuck is on their mind. Like, you need to be able to express yourself. You need to be able to have these open dialogues that, that, that I find a lot of on YouTube. And that's kind of what got me into wanting to do this podcast because I'm a nigga that's like, say what's on your mind. Just say it how it is. Fuck all that getting offended shit. Talk, nigga. You know? And that's also something that just adds to the inequality between men and women. And, and like the same things that make her love me is the same things that drive her fucking insane. You know? Is it okay for men to cheat? <laughs> Before I get too far off topic, is it okay for men to cheat? No. But if you know you got a good one, I ain't you, not not in a way that compromises who you are as a woman, but you know, you might need to slip a few hard passes under the door. If you know a nigga still respecting you, a motherfucker still putting you first, like you know, in, in terms of like these other bitches, like think about it all. Is it worth break, breaking up with him because he fucks some other bitch just so you can get with a nigga who you know is liable to do the same thing and get caught in another dangerous cycle? Just trying to exercise your option like you're not men. The inequality is like what prevent is what even creates this conversation. You're not men. No, no man want no masculine woman. So, men out there, you know, you should be on your fucking purpose. You should be trying to get your shit together. You should be trying to focus on how you're going to take you and your family or your immediate circle to the next level. Me, I'm in the process of trying to build me a crew. I'm trying to find some motherfuckers I can rock with, some like-minded individuals, because in this little patch of Las Vegas I'm at, there's a lot of bozos around here, man. Like, But that ain't going to discourage me. I'm going to figure this shit out one way or another, whether I do it alone, but nigga, the, 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 these are the seeds that plant the trees of tomorrow right here. I ain't worried about that shit. With all that being said, that's going to wrap up the podcast for the day. I hope y'all have a wonderful rest of y'all time whenever y'all tuning into this. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the Chico Demanwell Show. I'm trying to have these things cranking out by like at least 6 a.m. on the Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Probably be listening to these out of date, but whatever. Like, stay cool. Like, this, this shit is where I'm going. Because I feel like I got a message and I need to deliver it. This is the shit I live for. This is what I wake up, eat, sleep, drink, and breathe and can watch every day and don't get tired, nigga. So, rock with me. I'll see y'all. Wednesday, what's that? Today, April the 9th. I see y'all January 11th, man. Happy New Year, everybody. It's the Chico, the Manuel Show. Fuck with me.